0: reading this morning is 1 John chapter 3 verses 11 through 18 for this is the message you heard from the beginning we should love one another do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother and why did he murder him because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous do not be surprised my brothers and sisters if the world hates you we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other anyone who does not love remains in death
1: Good morning, church. Wow. Um, we have an incredible opportunity coming up for us at the end of October. Going to be talking a little bit more specifically then about this process we're praying for for 40 days about uh, calling some additional shepherds uh, to come and serve and love this body here, uh, as known as the Kerrville Church of Christ. Uh, If you weren't here last week and didn't see some of the emails we sent out this week, uh, we're going to be involved in a uh, time of prayer because we're asking God specifically, uh, please help us to have eyes to see. Please give us your spiritual discernment to be able to look among us and see those men who are loving the sheep here that we want to do two things of. Number one, acknowledge, and number two, ask, would you please um, allow God to continue to influence you and be an influence for us by leading us? And so please take this seriously, church. I'm asking you to spend a, some time every single day uh, asking God, would you help us have that kind of discernment? Because we want to be your church here uh, at the Kerrville Church of Christ, not just a church of our making. And so please, I'm, I'm asking you to continue to um, be a part of this 40 days. Grandpa was rocking on the porch when two of his grandkids appeared, and Jeremy, the oldest, said excitedly, "Papa, Papa!" Make the frog noise. He said, well, what do you mean by the frog noise? He said, well, I don't know for sure, but when I asked mom, can we go to Disney World, or when can we go to Disney World, she said, when Grandpa croaks. (laughs) So make the frog noise. Make the frog noise. Now, probably most of us would think that's, that's kind of unkind, incredibly funny, but really kind of unkind. But John, the old apostle, would probably say, no, it's more than that. It's a a devilish thing to say. John's doing his best in the first half of his letter to debunk the myth that was being promoted by some false teachers amongst them, that it doesn't matter what you say with your mouth, nor does it matter what you do with your body. What matters is that you have great thoughts about God in your head. These false teachers would say God is all about the mind, not about morality so much. And John says, please don't buy into that nonsense. Do not let anyone lead you astray by thinking you can be right with God. And do what he said is wrong. It's impossible. Remember the words from last week? Don't let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been rebelling against God from the very beginning. That's why Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Now, as we studied last week, Jesus came to do that, but he did more than that. He didn't just come to destroy the works of the devil. He came to equip you to do that in your own life. And if you're wondering what all that entails, you can go to the KCC website and you can pull up the Lights Out banner. And right under that, that you'll find a message called Search and Destroy, right along with all the other messages from Lights Out if you'd like to to tune into that. But with that same thought in our mind, with that truth fresh in our hearts, we're going to launch into what now is the second half of the entire letter of 1 John. John's not going to be dealing in the second half so much with correcting light threatening lies as much as he's going to be pointing us to light changing love do you remember the old vbs song love 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 you remember that song I may not be able to lead it very well, but would you sing it with me? Here we go. Love, 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 love. The gospel in a word is love. Love thy neighbor as thy brother. Love, love, love. John would say that could be the theme song for the second half of my letter. And it might not be the easiest song to sing. After this message, because John's going to try to help us understand at the very, very core of who we are in Christ is not just getting to know God, but allowing God to move through us into a world that so desperately needs the love of God. Light people don't have an option to be unlovely people and still be God's people. And we're going to need God's help. To both understand that and especially God's help to do it. Let's pray. Father, we realize we're not the only disciples who, um, who want to understand how the love that you call us to could, could actually be a part of our lives. Thank you for not um, leaving us in our unlovely state. Thank you for coming to us when we, we weren't worth coming to. When your word says we were your enemies, thank you. We've said that this morning, and we've done it through some songs that we kind of write off as maybe sometimes devotional songs or kids songs. But thank you, Lord, for loving me. And thank you, Lord, for making me whole and saving my soul. We mean that. We have a feeling that the Hosanna Lutheran Church means that as well. Those that are disciples there, those who are part of this kingdom of light, Would you please bless them as they, together with us, behold your glory, hoping that in doing so, that truly you will transform our hearts and our lives to look a little bit more like Jesus than when we walked into our places of worship today. We ask us in Jesus' name, and everyone said. The teaching that we're going to be involved with this morning is by no means a new teaching. It wasn't for John, either. He says in verse 11, this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. From the very start of our time with you, John says, we taught you how to love one another because, above all, love is at the very core, the very foundation of our faith. Jesus says this much because you heard the question that he was once asked one time. Um, If you had to nail it down to the thing that God most cares about, what would it be? Jesus said, well, I have to answer you and In really two different ways. First of all, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All of the law and the prophets. They hinge, they hang on these two commandments. Again, that's not new to you, nor was it new to John's people either. But it's so crucial for us to understand. You can't separate those two things. They go together. The call to love God's people is as foundational to the Christian faith as knowing who God is and what he's like. Because the gospel is always doctrinal and ethical from the very start. Paul believed it so strongly. Listen to these words that he describes or uses in 1 Corinthians 13 about doing things that look Christian like, but aren't because they miss love. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all his mysteries and making everything plain as day, as Jimmy does all the time. And if I have faith, it says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't have love, I've got nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've got nowhere. So no matter what I say, no matter what I believe, no matter what I do, I am bankrupt without, say it with me, love. John would have said, right on, Paul. (laughs) And then added, but that love that you're talking about, it's an out-of-this-world kind of love. It's a love that doesn't come naturally, listen to me, to any human being, but only to Christians. Wow. That could be an offensive, offensive statement, especially if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. And you're kind of on the fence of, of wondering you know, whether, whether I should be or whether I could be. Please do not misunderstand. We had one of our, our Medina moms at our last Medina orientation ask a question along these lines. And I wanted to address it in this particular series because it bothered her that People would say from the church that Christians love better than those who are non-Christians. Well, the truth is, those who are born of the water and the Spirit are capable of a love. Those who are not born of the water and the Spirit can't be. Now, the image of God is still in every person in the world. And that's what I share with this particular Medina mom. And so they can be loving. But listen to me, Romans chapter 5 is very specific when he says, Paul does, and he teaches the church there at Rome, that this image of God within all of us has been corrupted by the rebellion of Adam and Eve. When sin came into the world, it forever handicapped humanity to offer a love distorted by selfishness and self-centeredness. Those of the world, scripture will say, love because there's something lovely about the person or thing that they're loving. They get something out of the investment of love. That's why they love. But those of the tribe of the Lord, they're unique. Those led by the Spirit, they're unique. They're extraordinary. They're marked by a love that's out of this world. Here's what he says in Luke chapter 6. The love that Christians can offer, man, they love their enemies. They do good to those who hate them. They bless those who curse them. They pray for those who mistreat them. If someone slaps them on the cheek, well, they, they turn to them the other also. If someone takes their coat, they don't withhold their shirt from them. And they give to everyone who asks of them. And if anybody takes what belongs to them, they don't demand it back. I don't know about you, but that kind of love's not normal on my block. It's not normal at most high schools that I know, it's not normal at most rotary clubs that I know of or, or optimist clubs. It's not normal at, at any bridge group that you it's not normal. At the city council, it's not normal in, in Washington. It's not normal to love like that. Jesus says, but it will be normal amongst my people. Is that normal in our church? i will come back to that one in a minute. Jesus says it's the new normal. It's part of this light. It's part of this kingdom that's breaking into this dark world. And, And no, you won't be able to do this on your own. But with my help, with me in you, I can love you with the same kind of love that I'm loving you with. Jesus goes on to say in Luke 6 and verse 32. He further draws this contrast between those in the light and those in the darkness, those in Christ and those in the world. If you love those who love you, you people of the kingdom? What credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But you, people of light, people of Christ, people of the light you love your enemies and do good to them and you lend to them without expecting to get anything back challenging words but Jesus is trying to make a point you don't need God to love lovely people you don't people who love you back that just furthers your interests it's what I call Christmas card love at Christmas time I send you a card and you send me a card right but if I send you a card and you don't send me a card guess what off my list next year because I'm not getting anything out of the investment put another way when you cut someone off or whether when you're cut off on 1604 just outside of Bass Pro that I know all of you see on a regular basis when you're cut off out there at 1604 It's just not normal for people to say, God bless you. (laughs) That's just not normal. Have you ever been to a high school game and all of a sudden the crowd starts chanting, forgive the ref, forgive the ref, forgive the ref. That's crazy. People don't do that. Nobody says, preach longer, preach longer. That's not normal. It's just not But Jesus says, I want you to love the world with an abnormal kind of love because you're living with an abnormal kind of God. The kind of God, as Stan said a few moments ago, would would love us by giving his own son. He didn't come into this world to condemn us, but he came to save us. Well, he had every right to condemn us, didn't he? Yeah. It is natural to be like Cain. Cain. Don't have time to talk a lot about that particular relationship between Cain and Abel and all that goes with that. But Cain had a personal agenda of his. And someone was standing in the way of him enjoying his personal agenda. That's why Jesus called hate embryonic murder in Tim Keller's words. Hate is that first step in the process of you wanting to get rid of another individual. And when it is born inside a person it's the thing that get it just gives birth to later some form of getting rid of that person that's natural that's normal notice the Bible did not say Cain hated his brother and that made him a child of the devil the Bible says Cain was a child of the devil and that's why he hated and murdered his brother two different things now I know it's offensive and I'll say it again to those who've not made Jesus Christ their Lord. But the word of God reveals that consciously or unconsciously, those without Jesus as their Lord, listen to me, not easy to hear, are children of the devil. They're not spiritually alive. The only kind of love they can produce is out of their own human effort, which is always infected with self-gratifying purposes. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, here's how Paul says that specifically. And he's talking to those who once were children of the devil, listen, in the past, you Christians were spiritually dead because of your sins and the things you did against God. In the past, you lived the way the world does, following the ruler of the evil powers that are above the earth. That same spirit is now working in those who refuse to obey God. Man, that's a strong word. But it's a needed word. Dying to love is not natural. It's just not. Do you know what it takes to love unnaturally like God does? One word. Resurrection. Resurrection. You have to be brought from spiritual death to life because God-like love isn't natural. Listen to me. It's supernatural. Romans chapter 5 and verse 5 says this. The love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who was given to us, for while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Are you still thinking the Holy Spirit is an optional part of your Christian walk? It's not if you're serious about loving. Because Paul's saying it's through this indwelling Spirit that God's indwelling love not only impacts you, but it impacts the world through you. In 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 9, Paul says, I don't need to write you about the Christian love that needs to be shown among God's people because God himself has taught you to love one another. How's he done that? Through his word and through the spirit. Friend, a love void of self interest is a work of God, I promise you. So John says in verse 14, back in 1 John chapter 3, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brothers. How do I know whether I'm a bogus Christian or an authentic Christian? How do I know whether I'm just a a look-alike Christian or a live-alike Christian? John says that's easy. You have a growing capacity in your heart to love unlovely people. How do we know that we pass from death to life? Flip the next screen. Because I have a growing capacity in my heart to love unlovely people. Sister, is that growing in your heart? Brother, is that growing in your heart? John says it will if you are an authentic Christian. Not a look-alike, but a live-alike Christian. You can be an absolutely bogus Christian and say, love, 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 love. And you can say, I am mine no more. And you can sing it, and you can say it, and you can memorize the verses. But unless it changes you and is seen through you, bogus. Dying to love was a new form of love to hit the scene in John's world it's not so new to us because we've been talking about it for two millennia but there was a distinct moment in history when a love that was literally out of this world came into our world and we call it Calvary we call it a cross that's why first John 3 and verse 16 says this this is how we know what love is Jesus Christ laid down his life for us isn't it amazing how close those words are to what standard Quoted a few moments ago, the Gospel of John three sixteen: For God so loved the world that He gave His Son. And what it, it kind of coincidental first first John three sixteen says, this is how we know that real love is real love. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. When the cross became a reality, a new reality of love entered our world, and it rocked our world. And when the New Testament writers talk about the way that God loves, almost always they add this little tag about Christ giving His life on a cross. That was the monumental breakthrough moment. Paul says this in Galatians 2.20, For the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, here comes the tag, who loved me and gave himself for me. And he did, even when I wasn't asking for it. And he did, even when there was no guarantee I'd appreciate it when I received it. And he did, with the possibility you might even curse him for it. That's because God goes beyond the daily minimum requirements. loving. Maybe you heard the story of a boxer in England who was very, very good. He won a lot of fights, but he gave his life to Christ and he gave up punching people to preaching to people. He was a street evangelist. One day he was preaching on a street corner when this punk walks up to him and starts mocking him. The jerk didn't know who he was. As a matter of fact, he walked up and he slapped the minister right on the face. (laughs) This preacher who used to be a boxer, he slaps the face the preacher clenched his fist and then he remembered the instructions of Jesus turn the other cheek and so he did and that punk slapped him on the other cheek the preacher took off his coat and he rolled up his sleeves and he began to smile and he said the Lord has given no further instructions my flesh loves that joke my spirit doesn't That's the kind of love that keeps on giving and giving and giving when I look at a cross. And I don't always carry that kind of love in my heart. I don't. Cross love is resurrection love. Cross love is spirit-inspired love. Cross love is a level of love that the flesh can never produce. It's dying to love that Jesus wants it to see. It's the kind of love that can only be given to those who've experienced the greatest love of all. And I'm sorry, Whitney Houston, you got it wrong. The greatest love of all is not learning to love yourself. No, it's learning to love unlovely people. That is the greatest love of all. That's how I was loved. And that's how I want to love you. Takes us to the second half of verse 16. Now we would expect for John to say, now we know what real love is. Jesus laid down his life for us and we would expect it to say, so we ought to lay down our lives for Jesus. Well, he kind of says that, but he doesn't, because what he really says is, well, if you want to lay your life down for Jesus, you give your life to your brothers and sisters. Same thing. Remember back to what Jesus said, How? what's the greatest thing that God would have us be about in this world? What's the thing that, he matter, that matters most to him, that he cares most about? Well, it takes really two answers, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbors yourself, because they're, they're, they're kind of alike. Ernest Gordon in his book, Miracle on the River Kwai, tells a story about some Scottish soldiers that were captured during World War II by the Japanese. They were placed in labor camps in Asia. And they were asked to build a road through the jungle. The conditions were abysmal and they were severely mistreated. And occasionally they would have tool checks to make sure no captive had hidden a shovel or a pick to try and escape. At this particular tool check, one of the shovels was missing. And the guards were furious. The man in charge of the camp gathered all the prisoners together, had them line up at front, and said, there's a shovel missing from the tool count. Unless someone steps up and admits to taking it, every one of you dies today. After a long, tense moment, one man stepped out. The Japanese leader took a shovel and he beat that man to death in front of his comrades. They went back to work, and later that day, another tool check was taken, and to their dismay, they had miscounted. There was never a tool missing in the first place. And that's when Mr. Gordon writes, we realized that this man had given his life to save ours. And it changed us. It changed the way that we treated each other, and it even changed the way we felt about our enemy. So much so that when the war was over and the Allies had been Rescued. They lined up the Japanese now in front of them. And they said, No more hate. No more. What's needed is forgiveness. And we forgive you. That's the power of sacrificial love. Jesus said, Greater love can no man have except that he lay down his life for his brother. That makes a better song than learning to love myself no it's much more difficult to learn to love you and for you to learn to love me that's a challenge because I know me there is no intrinsic value in anybody's self-sacrifice if it's not for a purpose the sacrifice that God values is when you die to self to pour that life into another human being that's the only sacrifice that matters to him It is highly unlikely that I'm talking to anybody here this morning who is going to have to give up their life for Christ. Highly unlikely. Could happen. But everybody in this room will have a chance tomorrow to die to self in some way so that you can pour that life into someone else's life. Every one of us will have that opportunity. That's what love tries to do. It tries to bless specific faces in specific places. You see, Cain was wrong. God said, Where's your brother? And Cain replied, It's not my job to keep up with where my brother is or what he's doing. Cain could not have been more wrong. Cain was, and so are we, our brother's keeper. Amen? All of us are. In verse 17, John goes on to say, If anybody has material possessions then, and he sees his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how in the world? Can the love of God that's out of this world be in him? If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how in the world can a love that's out of this world be in him? John says, you can know for a fact that a person is a Jesus look-alike or a Jesus live-alike by how they take care of their brother's needs or don't. It is so easy for me to talk love. It's a whole other story to be dying to love. Charlie Shedd was reading his newspaper one evening, and he said to his wife, Honey, I love you so much, I would die for you. She looked up from her dishes, and she said, You always say that, but you never do it. (laughs) Are you like me? I say it a lot, but I just don't do it a lot. Yeah, me and Charlie. Authentic love is like authentic faith. James says, You want to say you've got faith? Show me your faith. That's what James says basically in the whole book. You want to show me you have faith? Then show me you have faith. You want to show me you have love? Then show me you have love. Take care of your brothers and sisters in need. Take care of those who can't take care of themselves. 1 John 3 says, don't tell me how much you love people. Show me, because it is possible to talk about loving everybody and never doing anything to help anybody. Ronnie Norman preaches for the First Colony Church in Houston. A few years back, that church sent six people to Uganda as missionaries. They started some churches there, and they're... There's been a beautiful relationship between the churches in Uganda and First Colony. All this started with the new, the new millennia, right around 2000, 2001. Well, after the devastation hit of Hurricane Ike back in 2008, it was a devastating hurricane then. <laughs> Not nearly as devastating as what we just experienced with Harvey, but still devastating all the same. But when the Maramara Church in Uganda heard about what had taken place in their brother's lives back in the States... They were so concerned that they decided they would have a special contribution for their brothers across the globe. Now you need to remember that an average Ugandan salary is less than a dollar a day. Their average weekly contribution at this church is $11 a week. But on the day of their special contribution, they took up $21.96. All to be sent back to Houston to help their brothers who had suffered hurricane damage. The Maramara might I think, is on par with the widow's might, don't you? That's what love looks like. I don't know about you, but abstract may be popular as a form of art, but it makes for a pitiful form of love. Even third world countries understand that. Brother, when the cross shapes your life, your love is going to shape the world in the same fashion and with the same passion. And I will say it again. There's a good chance that in your lifetime you will not have to give up your life, literally, for Jesus Christ. But you will be called, beginning now, to do something that maybe feels like death when you do it. And I want you to know the level of love that I'm talking about (laughs) isn't sacrificial, Jesus-like love, unless it just is like death to do it. Now, you and I are different. In so many ways, things that we like to eat, things that we wear, where we've come from in our background. So don't you think probably your dying to love is going to look a little bit different than mine? But universally, we know what it means. Oh, really? Oh, don't ask me to do that, God. That's the kind of love I'm talking about. That's the kind of sacrifice. The same sacrifice Jesus is saying in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Really, God? Is there another way we could do this? Really? That kind of level of sacrifice. It may be you dying to some sleep, fellas, so that your wife can enjoy some sleep, and you get up and change the baby, and you take care of the baby, whatever the baby needs. You helped make, by the way, so she can rest. It's dying to love when you send the money set aside for your new handbag or your new shotgun to buy a new school desk in Ghana. It's dying to love when you don't just say, I hope our kids grow up in an extraordinary relationship with Jesus, but maybe for you it's signing up for six weeks in Summit class or Children's Church so that you can go give love there while some other adult can hear about Jesus in here. It's dying to love when you don't just say, I hope our KCC marriages are strong, but instead Of a spoil your rotten weekend for yourself or for your wife, you pay for a couple to go to the weekend to remember in San Antonio so that they don't have a rotten marriage. It's dying to self when your home isn't seen as the only place of escape that you really have. But rather, it's the place of making disciples that you really have. And instead of just kicking back and relaxing, no, instead you're blessing, you're you're walking your neighborhood and praying for your neighbors, and and you're listening to any opportunity the Spirit creates that you can hear their story. And you're inviting them to come eat at your house when you don't want to clean your house, and you don't want to cook that food, but you're doing it because you want to reach out to your neighbor's life, and, and you want to hear their story so you can share possibly how Christ has changed your story. That doesn't always happen because I just feel like it. As a matter of fact, it happens a lot of times when I don't feel like it at all. We're not talking about feeling love. We're talking about sacrificial, cross-like love. And that's what he's called us to. It is out of this world. It comes from a miracle taking place in a human being's life. There's another picture of dying to love that I'm going to conclude with this morning. It's when you trade a predictable home life for a much more unpredictable home life by bringing in an abandoned or abused child. Sometimes temporarily, sometimes for a long term, we call that foster care last year, about this time, invited um, Randy Rose to come and talk to us about uh, how we might, as a church, be involved more in their ministry, which has just exploded. I hate that their ministry has exploded, but it has. I'm thrilled for Jesus that it's exploded because some of our folks are opening their hearts in ways that that some of us can only imagine I'm going to invite Randy to come up on stage and Anna Pruitt would you come with him these two helped launch this ministry a couple of years ago and I mean it really was a few years ago during the time that I had just come here so it's less than five I know that and what these two have been a part of in dreaming how they could love on a sacrificial basis with their time effort and energy and help equip other people to do the same just continues to stun me but it it really hit me in a special way when I was made known of a story that happened because of them coming last year, and I was going to stand with Randy, but Randy's going to do most of the talking because if you've been around Randy, he does that really well. Come
2: on, bro. Come on up here. Thank you very much. Um, I'm not going to take a long time. Uh, it's just it's an honor and a blessing to be able to stand up here again and visit with you guys for just a second about foster care and the needs and things that are going on. But really, I... I was sitting down, you know, listening to what Jimmy was saying, and and um, I, I wrote something down while I was sitting there. and it, it just dawned on me how much foster care offers an opportunity for people to practice the type of love that Jimmy is talking about. Because in foster care, I think a lot of people would approach it with the thought that, you know, I have absolutely nothing to gain by doing this, but everything to lose. It takes my time because I got to take kids to appointments. It takes my money because I have to pay all this extra, cash out of my pocket to provide care for these kids because the state doesn't pay enough. It's, uh, it's hard from a security standpoint because, you know, I, I have to open my family up to kiddos coming into my home and the family has to sacrifice. And uh, it's hard from the sense of losing control. I have to open my home up, my heart up, and my pocketbook and I have no control over what's going to happen to these kiddos. I could fall in love with them and they could be taken from my home. And that's an awful lot to ask for a family or a person to do in order to care for a child that technically is not even their own biological child. And it just dawned on me that that's the kind of love that, that Jesus is calling us to do. And I get to witness that on a daily basis while, while we do our work with uh, Divinity Family Services. And it's an honor and a blessing. And when I find families that are willing to open their home up and do that, they, they are, they're truly heroes to me. We have a family here uh, at KCC that's done that, and I, I found out about this uh, not too long ago and it, it just kind of it blew my mind um, I don't know how many of you guys know and I'm, I'm not going to ask them to stand uh, I talked to, to Del Coley yesterday a little bit and and he, he can't be here at this moment but his wife Tristan and their their kiddos Hagan and Ayla are are here and they they decided about a year ago that they felt called to try to offer their home and their love to children in need. And so they went through the crazy, crazy process of becoming a licensed foster and adoptive home, and they have two beautiful little girls placed with them right now, Genesis and Chanel. And they're making a difference in those children's lives. And I promise you, for, for anybody that questions whether or not they have something to offer and whether they can make those types of sacrifices for, for another child, those kids are being blessed by them at this very moment, no matter what happens, to those children whether they are adopted by the colees or, or not they are blessing those children and and they are practicing the love that god has called us to practice and they're they're my heroes and i just want to thank them for what they're doing because they're likely saving those kids lives at this very moment and that's an amazing amazing thing that they they've stepped up to do i just want to say thanks again for everything that this church has done to support the work we're doing. Miss um, Milliken and, and her team have been so awesome to collect gift cards and things like that that have allowed us to do so many things for so many families from buying clothes and and cribs and beds and literally fixing holes in families' roofs that didn't have the means to do it so that the rain wouldn't be coming into the house. Those are just a few of the little things we've been able to to do with the support of, of you guys and and, and the entire church, and we're just so thankful, and we're honored and blessed beyond what what I can even what I can even say. So thank you guys so much for allowing us to share our ministry with the church and and for being a part of it.
1: Amen. All of us do what we can, and more because of Jesus Christ in our life. and this morning we want to share uh, just a uh, a little sack of joy. Uh, with um, Divinity Family Services. Um, It's $2,000 in gift cards because truly uh, there are times when the paperwork just doesn't cut it and those people who said yes to uh, bringing in a child um, don't have some of the basic necessities to help launch that first night with a child. So these gift cards are used on those occasions, and they're used for other ways, but, but they truly are point of contact, point of high need use, okay? And you, many of you have made that possible through our New Beginnings Ministry. Uh, it's a ministry of our church that helps other parachurch organizations who are, are willing to die, the Pregnancy Resource Center, what a difficult place that is to serve and to love. Divinity uh, family ministries and services, that's a difficult place. But, but some of us can't be in that office and, and even opening up our home to do that. But we can help give, and some of you have done that. And I just want to say thank you on behalf of Ricky and Anna. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Can we pray over you real quick? Yeah, have a good Lord, we, uh, we're humbled when we stop long enough and look at the cross just for a few moments and to think you did that for us. How could we, God, this week do that for somebody else? Right now, there's some folks who've, who've given of themselves so that these gift cards could be possible. For some, Father, that was not an easy thing to do. It was sacrificial. Um, and we just want to say thank you for loving us enough that that would change our hearts, to let us let go of things of this world that would make our life easier and more fun so that other people could just have something to eat and a place to sleep. God, thank you so much for these two hearts and their, ma- and their mates that have come alongside them. Um, to just sometimes put up with them while they were trying to serve and love people literally to death while they're giving their lives up so that someone else might have some life. But, God, that's not easy for the mates. And so we pray not only for Randy and Anna, but also for their uh, husband and uh, wife. Thank you so much for um, blessing us with two brothers and sisters who truly are a light into a dark place in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. God bless you. I gave you some illustrations a few moments ago about um, what dying looks like, what dying to love looks like. And I could easily give those to you, not because I, 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 I'm creative and can make them up. It's because I've seen you do it. I've heard in conversations in different ways of what's going on. I've, I've watched you give to, so that a couple could go to the weekend to remember and use the money that was going to be spent on something for you and yourself, you and your wife. I've watched, I've listened about a dad here in our church, a brother of mine in Christ, who's made it possible. I didn't hear it from him. I heard it from his wife. For her to have some rest, to have some sleep, so that she could be as fresh as she needed to be for her next day. I heard all these things. And rather than just saying, come on, church, you need to be more loving, what I'm saying is thank you. Thank you for being loving. It's an honor to be your brother. It's an even higher honor to be your preacher. And I'm grateful that together we're trying to figure out this dying to love stuff. But we've got more to go, don't we? We've got further to go. We just do. And that's all right. But I just want to say on behalf of God, and I think I can say this, thank you for getting on your crosses and dying. Not just calling you to get on your cross and die, but thank you for doing what you've done. But we've got more to do, and I'm just calling you to, could we do that? We're going to sing a song, and normally we have you stand and sing, but I'm not going to ask you to do that because I'm going to ask you to reach out right now in front of you and pull out one of those little visitor's cards. Would you do that? Everybody who can. Everybody who's got one in front of you there in the, the seat backs in front of you. Pull out one of those visitor's cards. Because we're going to sing a song that from my childhood is, is one that was a part of my life that called me to a place of ministry that I may not have been until this hit my heart in such a way it just changed my world. The moment that I realized I am mine no more, my Christianity changed. My Christianity changed from being just look-alike to more live-alike. And maybe it might change for you because as we sing this song, the reason why I'm having you stay seated is i got to believe that there's a place or a person that God's going to bring into your lap, into your life this week to offer some sacrificial love and you're not going to want to do it. But you're going to need the power of beholding the cross as we've tried to do today. And the urge of Jesus, of Jesus, of Jimmy just saying, could we begin with this next item? You may have felt like you've done a rotten job of representing Christ in sacrificial love, but you can start right now. You've been beholding the cross and hearing about the cross in an out-of-this-love kind of world, and you want to bring it into this world. Well, that begins to change you. Listen to me. Is it, yeah, 2 Corinthians 3.18, that as we behold his glory, we're transfigured, we're transformed from one degree of glory through the Lord who is the Spirit. The Spirit's doing this in us as we behold this cross and talk about the cross and sing about the cross and hear about people's lives that are being on a cross. That's the first thing that we do. But the second thing is we just begin, and you can do that. So we're going to sit and sing, not stand and sing, sit and sing this song. And if you have a response this morning, I'm asking you to make it on that card. If you would like to be baptized into Christ, though, you come find me, all right, and we'll talk. But right now, just write on that card anything you want, person or a place. Lord, help me love, and fill in the blank, all right, like you love. Lord, help me love, fill in the blank, like you love. Let's sing.